0: Well, Good morning again, so as I said during the announcements, we are starting a new mini-series today on a very important topic, uh, the topic of anxiety. And I think that this is a topic that affects every one of us uh, to some degree, and in fact research indicates that about one in four adults will be diagnosed with an anxiety disorder at some point in their lifetime. At least that's true of American adults. So we have about a 25% chance of having an anxiety disorder. And when you think about it, that is a a remarkably high number. I mean, if you just think of the average nuclear family, right? Mom, dad, uh, son, daughter. One of those four is likely, very likely, to have an anxiety disorder at some point in their lifetime. So, chances are, even if you aren't someone who personally suffers from an anxiety disorder, you are likely to, at some point, love someone who does. And even if you're in the other 75% of the population that never has a full-blown anxiety disorder, it's still likely that at some point in your life you're going to struggle with an unhealthy level of anxiety, uh, at least to some degree. And not only is anxiety a very common problem, but it actually seems to be becoming more common. Uh, The American Psychiatric Association did a study last year where they polled a 1,000 U.S. residents about their anxiety levels, and nearly two-thirds of the respondents uh, described themselves as extremely or somewhat anxious about health and safety for themselves and their families. Two-thirds. Now, I mean, that's a little broad, right? Because it says extremely and somewhat, right? Anxious. But still, they, these people are reporting a significant degree of anxiety uh, in their experience. And more than a third of those polled describe themselves as more anxious overall than last year. This is in 2017. And only one in five describe themselves as less anxious than last year. And this year, in 2018, the same poll was reported, and it, it had essentially the same results. The only difference was that 5% more people were saying that they were either extremely or somewhat anxious. So the trajectory of our nation is not towards becoming more calm, right? We're becoming more anxious overall. Now, I want to confess that this topic is especially important to me uh, because I've been affected by it myself. Uh, I debated a a little whether or not I wanted to share this story because it's kind of embarrassing. Uh, But I think it may be helpful for some of you to hear this. So I'm going to share it. Uh, Almost six years ago, now, I had an experience that I will never forget. Uh, to give you some context, this was shortly after my first semester in seminary. So I had just been through my first round of master's level finals, where I had to memorize a lot of Greek and try to write, you know, master's level research papers. And around that same time, a relationship that I had been in for two years ended. So I had probably been under an unusually high degree of stress for me for a period of several weeks. But the story I'm about to tell actually takes place after I, I thought all that stress was in the rearview mirror. Um, it took place when I was on winter break. I had done well in my, on my finals. Those were in the past. And I was at peace with the fact that relationship was over. I wasn't mourning that every day. I felt like that was the way it was supposed to be. Um, but I still believe that what had been going on in the past and the way that I had dealt with it affected my present uh, in the story I'm about to tell. So uh, I felt like I was in a pretty good place. A lot of that stress was in my rearview mirror, and I was going to visit one of my best friends and his wife. And my my my, my one of my best friends, he was in seminary, uh, actually at a different school. So I was going to visit him. Hadn't seen him in a while. And when I went to to visit him, we went to his uh, church in the morning, and then in the afternoon, we went to his pastor's house. And while we were at his pastor's house, several people were there, and they were smoking cigars. Uh, Now, I had zero interest in smoking a cigar, so I didn't. I think cigars are kind of gross. I mean, no offense if you like cigars, not my thing. Uh, But even though I wasn't interested in smoking cigars, I was interested in the conversation that was taking place. And so I stayed in a fairly small room where people were smoking cigars for quite a while, okay? And trying not to inhale too deeply. And I was fine that whole time, but then my friend and his wife and I got in the car to leave. And as we were leaving, I felt like I couldn't breathe as deeply or as normal as, as uh, usual. And I started to worry because I, I do have asthma. It's pretty mild. It's been under control since I was a kid. Um, I don't usually need to take an inhaler. Uh, but the thought entered my mind, oh, that was stupid to sit in that room for all that time, given that I have asthma. And so then I said that out loud. I said something like, I probably shouldn't have done that because I have asthma. And my friend and his wife were like, you have asthma? Why didn't you say anything? And of course, then I suddenly felt like more panicked, right? And I felt like it was even harder for me to breathe. And I I started to feel like I had to think about every breath in order to make it happen. And so for the rest of that afternoon and evening, I was not able to enjoy any of the stuff that we had planned. We had all these fun activities planned, and I went through them, but the whole time I felt like I had to think about my breathing in order to do it, and I felt like every breath that I took was not deep enough or good enough in order for me to feel comfortable. Um, And I I started to worry. I started to worry, maybe my lungs are never going to feel the same again. Maybe I did damage to my lungs. So that night, I'm I'm on my friend's couch in his apartment, and I am tossing and turning. I cannot stop thinking about my breathing. Sometimes my extremities feel tingly or numb. And I finally broke down, and I was like, I said to my friend, you need to take me to the emergency room. I don't know what's going on, but I, I feel awful. So he takes me to the emergency room, and I do my best to explain to the nurse there You know, what's going on? And she does this thing where she checks the oxygen level in my blood. And guess what it was? It was normal. 100%, you know, whatever. It was exactly what it was supposed to be. (laughs) And in fact, they said, well, actually, I think I see some evidence that you're hyperventilating. Which means the problem is not that I'm not getting enough oxygen. The problem is I'm getting too much. Now, I wish I could say that that's where the story ended. (laughs) You know, that I just realized, oh, I'm just, it's anxiety. And then I felt, oh, how silly, and I relax. But that's not what happened. So we went back to my friend's house, and I went back to the couch. It's probably like, you know, 3 a.m. at this point. And I thought, okay, now I'm going to be able to sleep because I know this is all in my head. But I didn't feel any better. I still felt like it was hard for me to breathe. I thought, what is going on here? And, and so I thought, maybe they're wrong, right? Maybe it's not really anxiety, because I know it's anxiety now, but I'm not feeling any better. So I did what you should never do when you feel anxious, which is I went on WebMD. <laughs> and I started Googling things and I started Googling my symptoms, and guess what fit to a T? A heart attack. (laughs) Tightness in chest, difficulty swallowing, lightheadedness, abnormal heartbeat, and anxiety. So I I felt like I had all of those things. And I tried to reason with myself. I said, well, that's crazy. Like, I'm, I'm young, I'm healthy, I'm not having a heart attack. But then I thought, but, but then what could this be? Why do I feel the way that I feel? It just doesn't make any sense. And then I, wor- I read the worst thing that you could possibly read. I read this thing that said people in their 20s and 30s often don't realize they're having a heart attack because they think, they think I'm too young and healthy to have a heart attack. <laughs> and once that seed was planted in my mind, I could not get rid of it. And so I woke my friend up again, and we went back to the ER. And, yes, so that's right, two times in one night. And you can laugh. Like, I'm telling this story because I want you to laugh. I laugh about it now. Even my friend laughed about it because as I, they did an EKG on me, and as I'm lying there with all the things hooked up to me, he's taking pictures, and he's like, I'm keeping this on file to blackmail you later. I thought about asking him for the pictures, but they thought, no, 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 that's going too far. So, um, So, anyway... You know, they they do the EKG, and around the time the sun is coming up, they determine, yeah, you're fine, right? Your heart is working normally, and their official diagnosis is anxiety. So why do I tell you this long, embarrassing story? For a couple reasons, okay? One is because if anxiety is a problem for you, I want you to feel like you can talk about it, without there being negative stigma. That's very important. And secondly, because I want you to know that for me, this topic is not just theoretical, okay? It's very practical. You know, I realized through that experience that I had patterns of thinking that were unhealthy and that anxiety was an issue for me and I needed to take steps to, to deal with it. Or deal with it better. And so that was kind of the start of my, my journey in, in uh, getting better at managing that. So hopefully what I'm going to say this week and next week, hopefully knowing that adds a little bit more weight to it uh, for you guys. That this is personal for me. Before we go any further though, uh, let's, let's define anxiety. Okay, I think the simplest way to put it is anxiety is the fear of what might happen happen. Or fear of what might have, might have happened and you're not, you're not sure yet what actually happened. So like I was afraid that I might have damaged my lungs. I was afraid that I might not get enough air. I was afraid that the feeling in my lungs might last forever. I was afraid I might be having a heart attack. I was afraid that the, the people at the ER might not diagnose me correctly. Right? My, my mind was just this steady stream of worst-case scenarios trying to do what I can to prevent the worst-case scenario from happening. And when we are afraid of what might happen, our bodies release certain hormones, certain stress hormones, and those stress hormones have physical effects on our bodies. And these effects can actually be very beneficial in certain situations. God designed us to have these stress hormones for for a purpose. only certain situations are they, are they worthwhile, worth having in our system. You know, A situation like where a bear is standing in front of you and it's about to attack you, it is very beneficial for your body to be flooded with these hormones because they put you in a position where you can either fight your attacker with much greater strength than you would normally or where you can flee from that attacker faster than you normally would. Fight or flight, that's what these hormones are for. But the problem is that our bodies release these hormones even when there isn't a bear standing in front of us, but when we just think about the bear, and when we think that the bear might be there. And what happens is if we're constantly thinking of worst-case scenarios, what might happen, fear of what might happen, our bodies are always being bombarded with these stress hormones, and that wrecks havoc on our bodies because they're not designed to handle these huge amounts of these hormones all the time. And the work that your body has to do to create, create these hormones means that your immune system doesn't get as much energy as it should to fight off disease and that sort of thing. So the stress hormones have a neg- negative effect on you physically, which then affects you mentally and spiritually, right, because everything's tied together. <clears throat> so anxiety, it does not do us much good. But if we have a problem with anxiety, it's very hard to just stop feeling anxious. And I'm going to say something that, that I hope doesn't make us feel anxious, but I feel like I need to say it in the interest of being honest. Anxiety is not entirely irrational. Okay? It's, it's very narrow in its perspective, and that's, that's a problem, but it's not entirely irrational. Here's why it's not entirely irrational. Because one, you don't know the future, right? I mean, as Christians, we think there are certain things about the future that we do know, and that's that's great. Those things should anchor us and give us peace, absolutely. But there are still things about the future that we don't know. And uh, in addition to that, we know, if we're just observing the world honestly, that bad things do happen sometimes, right? I mean, even if... Our lives have been spared much hardship. We know by looking at other people that they often experience hardship. And so if we're honest, we know that hardship in our future is a possibility. So anxiety is not entirely irrational. But here's what we need to realize. The Bible is clear that even though we don't know the future, the Bible doesn't deny that, right? Even though we don't know the future, and even though the future may include hardship, Okay, the Bible's not naive, it's honest about that. Even though those things are true, God does not want us to be anxious. God does not want us to be anxious. You know, a lot of the time we wonder, what is God's will for my life? Well, here's one thing we can be sure of. God's will for our lives is that we would not be anxious. God does not will for us to live fearful lives of worry and timidity. Now, I want to be clear. If you are somebody who struggles with anxiety, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. right? I'm not trying to make you feel guilty for having anxiety or make you feel anxious for having anxiety. Okay, That's not my intention at all. My intention is to make you feel free. To know that God wants something better for you. Right? God is not mad at you, but he wants to help you experience something better than a life of perpetual anxiety. Now, why am I so sure of that? Well, let's look at some scripture. Uh, If you want to follow along in your own Bible, turn to Philippians 4, starting in verse 4. Philippians 4, starting in verse 4. in Christ Jesus. So there it is right there. Right? Do not be anxious about anything. That is God's will for our lives. Now, before we move forward, I want to clarify two things. Two important clarifications. First, even though we're told do not be anxious about anything, this doesn't mean we shouldn't feel concerned about anything. Okay, There's a difference between concern and anxiety. Uh, if, you love you, if you love yourself and you love other people and you love God, then there are going to be times where you feel concern. And concern is going to motivate you to act. Uh, if you have a child who is sick and is not getting him better, concern will motivate you to take that child to the doctor. Nothing wrong with that, right? But what anxiety does is anxiety assumes that something is wrong with your child, even if Your child seems fine, right? Anxiety uh, takes your child to the doctor, even though they're not demonstrating any symptoms. Anxiety worries the whole way to the doctor that something is incurably wrong. And anxiety envisions, before you get to the waiting room, what it's going to be like if your child dies. Concern makes you stay in the house when there's a hurricane. Anxiety makes you stay in the house almost all the time. Right? So, very different things. Concern is healthy, wise, God-given, but anxiety is not. So, one way I would describe the difference is this. Healthy concern leads to wise action, which increase, increases the likelihood of a good future. Uh, but anxiety is fear, which really just reduces action. It immobilizes you. And it usually damages the present more than it actually helps the future. So there's a a very significant difference between those those two things. The second thing I want to clarify is that living in anxiety is not God's will for us as Christians. That's actually an important qualifier there. Because if we haven't put our trust in Christ, honestly... I think we should be feeling some anxiety. Uh, I mean, think about the world without the perspective that we gain through Christ. Uh, The world is filled with hardship and suffering. At times, it seems random and chaotic. Uh, Life ends with death, which no one appears to escape. And if there's a God, you know, we're not sure what that God's attitude is towards us. That God might be more interested in destroying us or playing with us than rescuing us and saving us. We don't know, right? Apart from Christ, we have very legitimate sources of anxiety. But when we put our faith in Christ, we have reason to be free from those legitimate sources of anxiety, okay, because through Christ, we are assured of some very, very significant things. We're assured that life is not random or pointless, right? History is unfolding according to God's great plan, and it's all going to work together for the good of those who love him. Uh, Death is not the end, right? That's what the resurrection shows us, that there is someone who is stronger than, than death, and through trust in him, we also have victory over death. Uh, we're, we're assured that there is a God who loves us, a God who loves us enough to suffer and die on a cross in order to rescue us. And tied very much to that is that we are assured that there is a God who is willing to forgive our sins, a God who doesn't want to hold our sins against us but wants to let them go and be in relationship with us. So if you're experiencing anxiety, about death or about the meaning of life or about whether or not there's a God or whether or not that God cares about you. I'm not telling you that you shouldn't feel any anxiety. What I'm telling you is that you should let your anxiety lead you to Christ. Okay, it's a subtle difference there, but it's very important. You know, don't ignore your anxieties. Don't suppress them or deny them, but face them and then realize that through Christ you can be freed from those anxieties. And then once you've put your trust in Christ, I can say very confidently for you that God's will is not for you to live uh, a life of anxiety. It's peace. And this passage in Philippians is not the only reason that I'm confident of that. There are numerous times throughout the New Testament where we are reminded that God's will for us as uh, believers is peace. You know, what's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, right? Peace. That is supposed to be one of the the primary fruits of a life that is lived uh, as a believer in Christ. And a verse I love, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Right? The spirit of timidity, that's the spirit that's afraid to leave the house, Right? That's the spirit that always envisions the worst-case scenario, the spirit that imagines all these health problems even when there aren't any. That's not the spirit that comes from God. Right? The spirit that comes from God, the attitude that he wants to bless us with, is, is one of power and of love. I I like to describe it as loving confidence. Like, sometimes if you say a spirit of confidence, it sounds a little arrogant, right? But notice, it's not just a spirit of power, but it's coupled with love, right? A spirit of loving confidence. That's what God wants for us. So God doesn't want us to be anxious. But do we believe that? Do we really believe that God doesn't want us to be anxious? You know, sometimes I think we fall into a trap of thinking that God wants us to be on edge all the time, right? That if we're serious about him, serious about our faith, that we're always going to be on edge, right? Nervous about uh, politics, nervous about the media, nervous about demons, uh, nervous about losing our rights and privileges in the world, nervous about the end of the world. But God doesn't want us always be on edge. He wants us to show concern, absolutely. Um, But he doesn't always want us to be on edge. In fact, uh, the Philippians passage indicates this. It's very interesting. Uh, It says, let your gentleness be evident to all. And if you're like me, you read that and you thought, that seems a little out of place. Like gentleness, it just sounds like. Being, being, I don't know, nice. Or, it just feels like, why is that there? But the word that gets translated as gentleness there, it actually means something like calm, level-headed reasonableness. Uh, so when you think of gentleness here, the opposite of that is panic, right? Overreaction all the time. And what what Paul is saying here is that Our calm spirit is supposed to be evident to all. It's supposed to be something that makes us stand out from the rest of the world. We are supposed to be an unusually calm people, uh, an unusually peaceful people. We're supposed to be a non-anxious presence in a stressed-out world. That's God's will for us as individuals, and it's his will for us as the church. You know, when the world goes mad, we're supposed to be eh, strangely calm, not surprised. And again, just, just so I'm clear, that doesn't mean we're not supposed to be concerned. It doesn't mean we're not supposed to be active. We should be. We should be striving to end injustice and striving to expose evil schemes and striving to share the gospel. But as we do all those things, we shouldn't be doing them out of a spirit of panic. And nervousness. We're supposed to have an unusual calm. And people around us should be thinking, "Wow, oh, why aren't they panicking? Now, you might be thinking, okay, great, right? God doesn't want me to be anxious. I'm supposed to be unusually calm. That's nice. But I'm an anxious person. <laughs> so what do I do? Well, that's the question that I'm going to try to address for the rest of today and next week, too. So we don't have enough time to really address it thoroughly uh, the rest of this morning, but we're going to start. And what we're going to start with is just this passage in Philippians, because I think we see here three uh, tips for how to move from anxiety to peace in our lives. So if you're taking notes, first tip is remember uh, that God is with us. Remember that God is with us. You know, when Paul says, let your calm, non-panicky state be evident to all, he immediately follows that up with a reminder, right? Which is, the Lord is near. Again, if you're just reading this quickly, you might feel like, why does does he say that right after saying, let your gentleness be evident to all? The Lord is near. But it's because if we're going to be an, an unusually calm people, We need to believe that God really is right here with us every moment, uh, that God is as close as the air that we breathe. We have to remember that God is is not an absent father. There's a a philosophical view called deism, which sometimes I think we can fall into without realizing it, which says that God basically wound the world up like like he made a machine, and then he pushed the button to turn it on, and then he walked away. And scripture tells us over and over again, that's not the way we're supposed to think about how God relates to the world. Okay, God is not distant. He is not an absent father. He didn't just turn on the machine and walk away. He is actively involved in our lives all the time. He is there alongside us. Um, You know, I don't know about you guys, but when I feel anxious, one of the most reassuring things for me one of the things that helps my heart rate to come down and for me to get out of my own head is the presence of a friend or family member who cares about me. You know, If I'm alone with my thoughts, then I can get carried away. But if I have the presence of a friend or family member there, they can kind of take me out of my own head and, and remind me of things that are true. And even if they don't necessarily have the power to completely remove the threat, they still help me to have a sense of peace because I know that whatever happens, they're there with me. And what we need to realize is that we have a Heavenly Father who offers us that same presence. And he offers us it 24-7, and even if everybody else has abandoned us, even if we don't even have a friend or a family member to turn to, he is there. The Lord is near, right? And because of that, we can have peace. Second thing that can help us move from anxiety to peace is asking God for what we want. Asking God for what we want. You may have noticed that uh, after Paul tells us not to be anxious, he immediately follows that up by saying, bring your request to God. Bring your request to God. You know, most of the time when we're anxious... It's because we're afraid that we're going to lose something that we love or that we're never going to have something that we want, right? Anxiety is very much linked to desire. And Paul, you know, he could have said something like what the Buddhist philosophers say. He could have said, uh, be anxious for nothing, just cease to desire anything, and then you'll be happy, right? But he doesn't do that. Right? Instead of telling us to detach from our desires, Paul says, turn your desires into prayers. Don't suppress them. Don't deny them. Acknowledge them and bring them to God. It's a very different approach for what we're supposed to do with our desires. Right? Don't deny them. Don't ignore them. But bring them to God. Now, does that mean that we're definitely going to get whatever we're asking for? Well, in the interest of being completely honest, no, right? We don't always get what we ask for. If you've prayed seriously for any length of time, you know that sometimes the answer is no or wait, right? Especially if what you're asking for isn't good for you. God's God's not a genie. We have to remember that. But often God does answer our requests, Uh, And sometimes he does it in remarkable ways. I remember when I was in college, I had a friend who had grown up in a a very large family, ten kids. I think he was number three out of ten kids. And his father was a pastor, and often money was tight. And he told me that on several occasions, when the food had just about run out in the house, and money was very low, they would pray and they would find themselves having groceries delivered to their home by someone they didn't even know. Sometimes stuff like that happens. It does. And I, he said that the people who would show up would just say, I just, I heard from God that I was supposed to give this to you. So things like that happen. And other times, God answers our requests in uh, less dramatic ways, more dramatic. Normal ways, right? And sometimes he says no. Or sometimes he says wait. Now you might be thinking, well, okay, but how can I have any peace if I'm not sure that my request will be granted? But here's why I think we can have peace. Because we know that the God of the universe cares enough about us to say, bring your request to me. I mean, think about that. He, I mean, he doesn't say something like, oh, you pathetic mortals with your trivial wants and needs, why are you talking to me about this stuff? Right? He says, no, come to me. And a, and a God who tells us to bring our requests to him is a God who cares about the desires of our hearts, who cares about us, and who can be trusted. So that's how you can have peace even if you're not sure whether what you're requesting will be granted. You have peace because you, you know that there's a God who loves you enough to say, talk to me about what you're feeling. <clears throat> so when we're anxious, one of the first things we need to remember is that we have a Heavenly Father who cares about the longings of our hearts. And then we turn those longings into prayers and bring them before Him. And then there's one last thing for today, one last tip for moving from anxiety to peace, is be thankful for what we have. Be thankful for what we have. Notice what it says. In everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. With thanksgiving. Now, what we're being told to do there is not what we normally do. Um, You know, when you think about asking someone for something, that can kind of reflect a a consumerist sort of mindset, right? I, I go to the store because I want something. And you don't normally go to the store, and while you're there, you thank them for all the things you bought last week, right? But God is asking us, when we come to him with our request, to do it also with an attitude of thankfulness. And we're not thanking him like in advance, like, oh, thank you for doing this for me, as if we know absolutely for certain that he's going to do exactly what we're asking. What we're doing is we're coming to him, asking him for things, but at the same time as we're doing it, we're recognizing I have things to be thankful for already. And that is a key in moving from anxiety to peace because the reality is If we are honest and if we have put our faith in Christ, there are always things that we have to be thankful for. You know, in any given moment, you have things in your life that you can be upset about, and you have things in your life that you can be thankful for. Um, Because this world, it's not perfect, it's fallen. And and that means that in any given moment, there's going to be things to be sad about. There's going to be things to mourn over, right? But at the same time, this world is also created by God, and it's filled with his presence, and he is working to redeem it. So in every moment, there are things to be thankful for, too. And the anxious mind is the mind that only focuses on the things that are negative, right? That can't get out of focusing on those things. But the pathway to peace involves turning out of that, that anxious mindset and thinking about the things that we already have to be thankful for. And I wanna be clear, it doesn't mean that we play dumb and pretend that the bad stuff isn't part of life. Uh, we, we do need to recognize that, but it means recognizing that the bad stuff is not the whole story, right? An accurate view of reality doesn't just see brokenness and sadness and evil. That's one of the things that I find striking about, about uh, artwork that's excessively dark, is people people will get, um, uh, what's the word for it? They'll 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 think, oh, my artwork is very very dark and horrible all the time, and I'm proud of that because somehow that tells the truth. That tells the truth about the world. You, you guys have probably experienced people who think that way, right? And it is true that they're revealing part of the truth right? But if their aim is to, re- to reveal the whole of life through their artwork, to give us a better picture of reality, they're only looking at one narrow sliver when they're depicting the darkness, right? And so we don't want to be like an artist that only focuses on the darkness, right? We acknowledge the darkness, but we choose to also focus on what is good and what is beautiful. You know, an accurate view of reality recognizes love and generosity and compassion and beauty in the world. And it takes delight in good music and good food and the beauty and glory of nature. It doesn't just focus on the death and suffering and injustice. And when we choose to focus on the things we have to be thankful for, especially the promises and reassurances that we have through Christ, that helps lift our cloud of anxiety. Because whatever we're anxious about, you know, whether we get what we're asking for or not, we still have things to be thankful for. And and when we cultivate that spirit of thankfulness, we realize that. All right, well, this is just a start. Okay, next week we're gonna focus more on some more practical tips for dealing with anxiety and go a little deeper into what scripture has to say. Uh, specifically about renewing our minds. Um, but for now, if you're struggling with anxiety, keep in mind these three things. Okay? Remember that God is with you. Ask, your God, ask God for what you want. Turn your anxieties into prayer requests. Right? And remember to be thankful for what you already have. Focus on the blessings. Don't just focus on the lack. Okay. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that your desire for us is for us not to be anxious. That you don't want us to have a spirit of timidity, but of loving confidence, Lord, of power and love and self-discipline. Lord, for any of us who are struggling with that spirit of timidity, that anxiousness and fear, God, I pray that you would renew our minds, Lord, that you would help us to remember that you really are there, that you really do care, that you you want us to bring our fears and the longings of our hearts before you, um, and that in you we already have everything we truly need. Lord, help us to remember uh, the things that we are assured of through Christ, that death is not the end, that there is a a God who who loves us and who wants to rescue us more than, than destroy us, God. Father, I pray that those would not just be ideas, but they would be realities that seep deep into our souls. We thank you, Lord. Please help us to be an unusually calm people. In Jesus' name, amen.